Welcome back to the Rambling Preacher Podcast. My name is Jesse. I am your host, and I'm ready to continue our conversation on Rediscover Bethel. Today's podcast is based on their second video, so this will be part two. Not sure I can commit to weekly videos yet, um, but Bethel did just release two days ago their sixth video, so we still have a ways to go. I'll look at maybe pairing two of their videos into maybe one podcast episode over here. Not sure if that'll be possible, but we'll see what happens. So their first episode was about Christology, the sovereignty of God, and Bible transla- translations, aka the Passion Translation. Uh, this episode was very heavily focused on Christ, Christology, his humanity, um, and some of their preaching styles kind of got in there, so that's what we'll talk about today. Episode 3, which is the one I am most excited for, at least currently, is Supernatural Signs and Wonders, which is also Bill's favorite thing, so we'll see how that goes. Episode 4 is on the church, ministry, and responding to NAR, New Apostolic Reformation. I do know that they'll have a defense for NAR. Um, I'm just going to say that now. Uh, whether or not we or you guys agree with that response uh, is kind of what we'll evaluate. If you don't know what NAR is, um, just Google it <laughs> and uh, read what you can on it. But we'll cover that in episode four. Episode five is on prophecy, risk, and the prosperity gospel. I haven't watched that one yet. And just two days ago, they released uh, church structure, teaching, rumors, and politics. So that will be interesting as well. So it's very interesting what they're choosing to cover in each video. Um, it seems more organic. Uh, I mean, Dan seems to have a plan when he gets into these, but they kind of just let the conversation go where it needs to go. And so anyway, a uh, quick, quick comment. If you are not following me on Instagram yet, I would recommend it. Um, I'm sure most people that listen to this podcast are list, uh, on Instagram following the Rambling Preacher account. It's just we do a lot of stuff over there. We hash out things, we do polls, we do questions, uh, people message in, and I try to respond to those best I can. Um, and so it's a little bit different. Like I don't, the podcast doesn't really coincide with everything I do over there. I definitely do more on Instagram in my opinion. So uh, check it out and uh, hopefully you follow over there if you haven't yet. So uh, just, I wanted to add this part in here before the start of this podcast, but I did put out a multiple choice question and the question I posed was, if you arrived in heaven and Bill Johnson was there, what would be your immediate reaction? Now, we're only a few hours into this when I'm adding this in, but so far we've had about 50% of the people voting for the uh, choice, wow, cool, hey Bill, Uh, which is a good response, I like that, I appreciate that, just saying, wow, cool, like, hey Bill. Um, About 24% saying they'd wonder if their earthly theology fell short, which is pretty cool that... um, People are willing to admit that, and I, I think that's an area where I think we're all going to get to heaven and realize perfect theology, and you know we're, we're just grateful we made it, but at the same time, me in my current state, I want to make sure I take full advantage of my life here on earth and as get as close to Christ and, and, and model him and model good theology while I'm here um, so that I don't really have any regrets, and I don't know if I will, but I'm just saying like, I think it's pretty cool that people said if if Bill gets to heaven, they're going to question maybe their earthly theology from before they, you know, went up there, which I thought was a very humble response. And I appreciate the people that are saying that. Um, 
Now we have the less humble responses, which have made up less, but about 20% said they'd just question Bill how he made it, which I think we should know the answer to that, sola fide. And uh, I think we like to add all these nuances to, well, this and this and this, so surely he can't make it to heaven. And that's why I won't label Bill Johnson a heretic personally, just because sola fide is so inclusive. It just really is. It's just saying, do you place faith in Jesus Christ as the perfect atonement and justification for your sins, one man's obedience, one man's work, and then you don't add anything to it, just faith alone, in Christ alone. And it, it's a really easy, uh, in my opinion, gospel. I mean, that's why it's the good news. It's easy. It's good. It's it's great. It's wonderful. And so uh, it's very easy to add sola fide, but if they're charismatic, nope. It's sola fide, but if they're not Calvinistic, then nope. Um, you know, you see all these people put kind of requirements on sola fide, and that defeats the purpose of sola fide. And so uh, I thought that was interesting that people are saying they question Bill and how he made it. Really, if anyone makes it to heaven, we should automatically know sola fide. Uh, he truly placed his faith in Christ for salvation. And then about 4% so far, which is kind of interesting that they're willing to say this, but uh, 4% are saying they just skip right over Bill and go straight to God and demand an answer for why Bill's there, which I think, you know, I think a couple of those might have been misclicks. I, I just, I, they had to have been, but I don't know. Uh, that's, I, I thought nobody would answer that one or choose that one, but that's just really interesting stuff. Kind of things I like to pick your brains on and see, and you're always going to have some transparency in there because... Not that they're anonymous, but I'm not going to share your results to everyone or anything like that. And I hardly ever look at them. I only looked at the 4%, really. So anyway, um, I also wanted to let you all know I appreciate you guys uh, tremendously. Uh, just a little bit of history of The Rambling Preacher. I first started blogging back in the beginning of 2020. I didn't know exactly what I was doing other than writing and responding to a burden I felt in my spirit just to write. Um, and so I began communicating as well as really this was a challenge to myself to ensure I was growing and, and being responsible for my growth and, and you know, really pushing myself um, to write not just what I'm learning, but what I've learned and, and things I'm going through. And, and the blog was a little bit different than what I'm doing now. I really found feel like I found my footing, I found my place where I'm supposed to be, at least for now in the season. Uh, uh, indefinitely, honestly, I just, there's so much we could talk about in this sphere. Um, so in February of 2020, Rambling Preacher was born uh, with the coined tag, Christians, comma, we need to talk. And so ever since then, it's been that. And honestly, I've not strayed too far from that. A lot of what I do, especially on Instagram, where I'm trying to bring balance, uh, theology grounded in charity is kind of what I say now. But it's still this idea of we need to talk like your theological perspective and this theological perspective don't need to be enemies. Uh, what I see far too often, uh, especially the more <laughs> I'm especially at Instagram reformed circles, and I think you guys know what I'm talking about. The more you're in those circles, the more you realize that people place such an unhealthy emphasis on secondary doctrinal issues and they're willing to divide so quickly over little things and uh, call everyone heretics. And it's like, I don't think that word means what you think it means. So anyway, uh, I, I love the community. I truly do. Like I am pretty much engaged with uh, most accounts that are 
in that community. At least I think I am. I mean, if I'm not, you guys can let me know some good accounts to follow. Um, but I really, you know, I've tried to place myself in that and find a good footing. And uh, it, it's great. I mean, especially there's some great Instagram accounts on there, especially Honest Youth Pastor, Christ is the Cure. Those are two of my favorites personally. But there's some other great, great accounts. Um, but honestly, this has helped solidify that there's still a need in this community. And I feel like part of that need is bringing in charity to disagreements. Um, and that's something I really want to do. And so anyway, uh, Christians, we need to talk hasn't gotten too far from that, but I've really switched my focus at the beginning of 2021. So about seven months ago now to Instagram growth and engagement, um, and not growth for the sake of growth. I don't want to just have some large Instagram account. I want genuine people that are connected, engaged, um, like the direction, can get on board with the vision. Um, if that's a hundred people, or if that's a thousand people, or if that's ten thousand people, like I just want the people that actually connect with the idea and the vision behind it. So if that's where you're at and you're listening to this, thinking, "Yeah, I'm, I think this is pretty cool," I appreciate you so much. Like you don't even know this blog turning into podcast really has challenged me to grow and uh, it's encouraged me endlessly. You guys are a tremendous blessing and I just wanted to thank you guys for being here. Um, and that's a long 10 minute intro essentially, but I wanted to let you guys know you, you guys are just a tremendous blessing and, uh, and I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if it weren't for your engagement and, and being involved. Um, in fact, Rediscover Bethel Part 1 took the podcast, uh, it, it's over 100 listens so far from two weeks ago, which for me uh, is huge. Uh, I know for a veteran podcaster, that's probably nothing. They probably hit that in the first 30 minutes. But for me, absolutely huge uh, to hit 100 listens on a podcast. I think that's so cool. Huge shout out to Crisis the Cure. They actually shared my podcast on his stories. And I think that probably was a big reason why it boomed. And, uh, and honestly, I'm just, I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here and, uh, be talking about each one of these episodes. I'm not going to just hit one and wash my hands. I want to do a, a justice on each one. Um, so with, with saying all that, we're finally, let's begin on episode two. Uh, this is an all natural take, just so you guys know, I don't have time for much editing and I'm honestly already later than I want to be. So we're going to rush through this, be as honest as we can be as charitable as we can and just really take care of it. In fact, you know, I'm just want to pray real quick. Dear Lord, I just pray that you uh, that you guide this conversation that in this moment, I know I'm just talking to a microphone, but I want to be charitable. I want to be honest in my evaluation of what's going on and and I want to be um just honest. I I just want to seek truth, God, and and I know that I don't have perfect truth, but I know that your word does. I know that you left it for us and it's perfect and infallible. And, uh, and we're just looking at these videos, not to critique, um, you know, they claim Christ as their savior. So we don't want to critique them in a, in a negative light or condemn them, but we want to charitably extend a hand and say, here's some areas that concern me. Here's some areas that excite me. Here are some areas that, uh, you know, my heart, God, and I just pray that you continue to cleanse me and, and purify my motives and purify my heart that I may be right before you, God. And uh, the people listening to this, uh, I know this community, the people that are willing to listen to this, they're not the ones that have washed their hands of Bethel, or maybe they have. Um, but either way, God, I, I just pray that you uh, you help us. Uh, we each have our own convictions, God, and I, I pray that we can honor you in our convictions uh, personally. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Uh, so the beginning of this 
this um, video. I didn't do great with timestamps this time, guys. I'm sorry. I, I'm already looking at my notes, and I did not do great with timestamps. So I won't have great timestamps uh, where what was said was said. Um, but the tone of the interview or episode honestly started about the same. Just very kind of laughing and, and I know later on in the episode and I'll, I'll get to it they said oh if you know we're, we're we we take God serious but not ourselves and so they like to be lighthearted and laugh a lot um, that's great that's fine I guess um, but they did have a point early on in the beginning they said have you even read our beliefs you know um, the critics the people that are coming at us have you even read our beliefs and I, I wonder that because um, I definitely have been on their website I don't think I've like scrutinized their statements on their website. I've actually listened to a, a bit of Bill Johnson's sermons uh, via Mike Winger and, and other people. And so, you know, did I give them a fair chance? I, I really genuinely felt like I did, but I'd love to read their beliefs through again. And I think that's something we should, you know, I know they're laughing and saying, have you even read our beliefs? But honestly, I didn't, you know, and so that's something I want to say, hey, like, I think we should do better and make sure we're doing our due diligence on all regards. I will say, though, that there are already people coming out and saying they've scrubbed some things off the Internet. And so that is concerning. Um, but I, I do think they are trying to be careful. And even if they're not as orthodox as I'd like, I do think they're still really making an attempt to be more orthodox. And I don't think that's in vain. I think there's benefit in that. So, um Bill Johnson said something really early on where he said, essentially, uh, if Jesus isn't fully man and fully God, then we're just fooling ourselves. Essentially saying, if he's not who he said he was, then we're in a false religion. And that's fair. That's true. Uh, truly man, truly God. And so they kind of clear the air, fix that. Um, but they did reference uh, Heaven Invades Earth quite a bit in this episode. Bill Johnson's book, When Heaven Invades Earth, because Bill Johnson in this book um, has numerous quotes that really frustrate people. And so Dan actually quoted them, asked Bill Johnson to kind of explain what he was saying. And so we're going to get into that. Um, something I thought was funny at the beginning was Dan was saying uh, he helped Bill edit these books. And it was incredibly grueling. Um, and I thought that was interesting because I don't. I don't think it was based on his gr grammar or how he spelled. I think it was actually based on the language that Bill uses. I think Dan actually had a hard time trying to correct him uh, is kind of what it sounded like. Um, but in chapter seven is where they decide to start. Um, and Dan, I'm going to read the, the book exactly as it reads so you guys can kind of give your opinion on it. So it says in chapter seven of Bill Johnson's book, When Heaven Invades Earth. Jesus lived his earthly life with human limitation. He laid his divinity aside as he sought to fulfill the assignment given to him by the Father to live life as a man without sin and then die in the place of mankind for sin. This would be essential to his plan to redeem mankind. The sacrifice that atoned for sin had to be both lamb powerless and man spotless without sin. So... The first thing he said is, uh, Bill Johnson said, I would only write it differently because of how it's heard. And he went into kenosis, Philippians 2. He did not view equality with God as something to be grasped, so he laid aside his divinity. 
honestly, none of that is technically heretical. Um, and I say technically because I know some reform people will st still not feel comfortable with it. But what's interesting, and I, I really don't want to go here too much. I'm trying to make sure I'm careful on what I say. Um, what's interesting is I do think we we know we know in our minds that Christ was truly man, truly God. But when you actually have a conversation, and I'm I'm, I'm even thinking about myself in this scenario about Christ with people, we really seem to place a lot of focus on his divinity. And in some regard, we actually kind of do a disservice to his humanity. And so Bill Johnson coming in and, and it seems like he does more of a disservice to his divinity, whereas not technically heresy, um, but you're in a camp or especially the reformed camp or a lot of people that are more uh, biblically savvy theologians, whatever you want to say, they're definitely going to be a little more divine Christ focused, whereas Bill Johnson's very man focused Christ. And so, but the thing is, he's truly man, truly God. And so I think we have to be very, it's very hard to not kind of lean in a direction. Um, and I have found in general, charismatics lean more toward the man of Jesus Christ. Not all people. I definitely don't think that necessarily of my upbringing, but a lot of charismatics do lean that way. In fact, there was another well-known uh, Instagram account that had something similar come up, had a lot of people coming at him. And I, I don't want to speak too much on my thoughts on it, but he definitely was emphasizing the man of Christ, not the divinity of Christ. Um, said some things that were pretty edgy, um, but people were very upset because they're very focused on the divinity of Christ. Um, and people don't seem to think about or ponder or, or wonder how Christ was truly man as much as they think about how he was truly God. And so that's something I want to encourage us all to do is, is to be very balanced in a perspective of truly God, truly man. Um, I do not believe Christ was at odds with father. In fact, you know, he's, there's plenty of examples where I believe they were together. You know, I do believe in the garden of Gethsemane where he says, you know, if I can essentially not my will, but your will be done. Like if this cup may pass over me, that's a man, that's a man element. He didn't sin in that instance. He yielded his will, his life to God and God's will. But that was really impressive to kind of show Christ in his humanity. And so anyway, I think Bill Johnson places a strong emphasis on Christ in his humanity, lays aside essentially all divine attributes without laying aside divinity. And then as we get into, and as most of you know by now, Bill Johnson believes Christ, no sin, Holy Spirit yielded, or yielded to the Holy Spirit in his life. That was his ministry. So everything Christ accomplished as a man, truly man, is now able to be accomplished by any single person today if they're one, sinless, and if they're two, um, yielded to the Holy Spirit. Some people may consider that blasphemy. Um, unfortunately, I do see there's this train of thought out there right now that holiness is almost like unattainable. And it's almost in their eyes blasphemous to think you can become holy while you're on earth. 
Um, I saw I saw one guy, and I don't want to get into John Wesley. Maybe we'll do a whole podcast on that later on. But I saw one guy who just came. He he honestly just came at me for John Wesley and was just like, you know, he's a heretic, a flaming heretic. He's going to be burning in hell, like not being even somewhat charitable with his how he was wording it. And I just you know I just said I we don't know sola fide you know like where there's some things that were a little concerning, sure. But it wasn't that he thought his holiness saved him. He just, he really wanted to experience God in a new way, in a miraculous way. And holiness was just so driven into his very being. I mean, I actually had another person reach out to me and say, you know what, I think John Wesley and Paul Washer have a lot in common. And I actually thought that was an interesting comparison. That might shock you, but you really look into him and I don't think that's a far off stretch. Now, obviously there's some big differences, but kind of at the core of their message and the core of their heart, very similar. So anyway, um, Bill Johnson wants to emphasize the humanity of Christ, as we all know now, because it's something to strive for and, and something we can achieve. So we're going to, as people now, if we're yielded to the spirit and cut out all of our, all of our sin and become holy, we could live just like Christ. So Anyway, and then later on, um, on this same exact quote, laying aside, he laid his, his divinity aside, um, which that sounds like he's he's saying he laid his divinity aside. Um, I think he should have said, you know, he he laid his divine attributes to the side, was still truly God or something. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's so important that you need to make sure you're explaining it as detailed as possible. And something that they really place an emphasis on was we don't like to get into the nuance. And it's like, that is what's killing you is you avoid the nuance because there's, there's a lot of nuance between these lines. So what's funny is they, they actually said one, Bill Johnson said one theologian reached out to, to Bill and said, Hey, what do you mean by this? Like this doesn't come off orthodox, but I, I think you mean it to be orthodox. And so he, you know, they laughed and said, oh, instead of bashing us online, somebody actually was full of charity and they quoted 1 Corinthians 13. Now, do I think that's the right way to do it? Yeah, I do. I, th I think if I had a bigger platform or if I had access to Bill Johnson or, you know, maybe I don't, maybe, maybe I could still write in. I don't know. <laughs> but um, do I think that's a healthy way to do it? Sure. Reach out to Bill directly and just say, hey. Is this really what you meant? Because this is this is a damaging train of thought. If if younger Christians get a hold of it and they don't understand what you're actually trying to communicate, so he said he's actually going to change the language as of as of like six months ago. He changed the language, and I don't know what it says now. Um, but at the same time, Dan and Bill, once again, the, the high road here, rather than responding and retaliating to those who critique you online and, and make fun of them a, a little bit here. Um, once again, I would have just rather seen, you know, someone did this. That's not what other people did, but this guy did it. And, and we're so grateful that people do this because we hear that, you know, and, and, and that's where we can actually make changes. But when people are just critical online, which they did say something to this effect, when people are critical online, they just don't even hear it. They don't care because, well, they're just critical. Who cares? Versus if someone genuinely reaches out and says, hey, is this what you meant? Like, this is this is kind of heretical. Um, then he's willing to change it. And so kind of interesting. I, I mean, I do agree that that's a healthier way to do it. And, and But I think just as 
public as a book is, I do think people have a right to publicly call the line of thinking heresy or, or respond to it in some type of way. And I don't think we're above critique. Like we should take critique seriously. In fact, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but our church was uh, critiqued by uh, a church watchdog website, just local here to Utah and Wyoming and Idaho areas. I don't know exactly where they've stretched. Um, but her favorite pastor was Sean McCraney. And if you haven't studied Sean McCraney, he's gotten pretty unorthodox and... Anyway, we responded to everything we could. We gave her honest feedback. But the thing was, she wrote articles in which she really just put in a lot of her own opinions, her own input, her own this and that. And uh, what's funny is her her tag was an unbiased church checker, um, essentially checking all the churches so you don't have to. And I actually responded to her and I just said, hey, like, unbiased means you're literally just giving the information like do they have membership yes or no like here's their address here's their congregation size here's their um you know if they're covenantal or dispensational here's their are they complementarian or egalitarian are they you know i said honestly a website like that would be very beneficial because people could rather than going to each website individually and really trying to fish out what do these people believe especially because a lot of churches nowadays they don't really list everything they believe to a T, um, that would be pretty beneficial. Like what's their mission statement? What's their vision? What's their, who's their pastor? Um, you know, what's their emphasis and then just say what it is. And what's cool is I went back to that website like a year later and she actually in the long run took my advice. It took about a year or so, but she actually switched everything to unbiased, just gave the facts and then she writes articles on the side of what she thinks churches should do or what she'd rather see. Um, but she doesn't really call out names as much anymore. And I thought that was really cool. And so that's not like me trying to brag. I just think that's really cool when we can take critiques and take them seriously and say, you know, I, there's maybe some truth in this. And I, I, I don't like that Bill Johnson and Dan are above critiques. Like, Oh, if you're critical, we automatically just shut you out. You have to come to us full of charity. The reality is, a lot of people struggle with charity. I know it's a command. Um, I uh, actually, Spurgeon quote, um, you know, some people say Christians don't love, but I find that hard to believe because if they aren't loving, then they aren't Christians. And uh, I think it's true, but sometimes some Christians, you know, their their definition of love is, is truth and nothing but the truth. And we all know all the different quotes from all the different theologians essentially saying like truth has to be founded in love. If it's not, it's just cruel and Love has to be founded in truth, because if it's not, then it's just, it's not love. It's just passive acceptance and uh, letting them fall away. So anyway, um, take the Lord serious. I, I, I think taking critique serious is important. So that's just for all of us to kind of keep in mind. Oh my gosh, we're already at the 27 minute mark. We have got to get going. Okay, no rambling. We're going to follow the notes. So they said, um, this is actually where they said, we need to take the Lord serious, but our human humor is a huge part of our culture, so people misinterpret us. Um, and then Dan said some interesting things about Bill Johnson, said he's really stubborn, 
Um, but it was a good thing, but he was really stubborn. And Dan has tried to get Bill Johnson to do things differently, but Bill Johnson just says, no, no, no. And, uh, and Dan actually said like, you know, Bill, it'd be great if maybe one of these weeks you, you took a week to teach me how to love my wife more properly. You know, maybe you preach through Ephesians chapter five, you know, and, uh, he didn't quote Ephesians five, but that was the idea. And he's like, no, like Bill Johnson, you, you are focused on kingdom and miracles and that's it and you're stubborn in that and they just kind of laughed it off and they said that's an apostolic mandate which i don't know if i'd agree with i'm gonna i'm gonna save a lot of my thoughts on the apostolic stuff for when they choose to talk about it more but they didn't talk about it a lot here so i'm gonna save more of my comments on that for later um but essentially said, Bill Johnson said, I'm going to keep talking about this until I see it repro reproduced in the people. So what do you mean by kingdom, first and foremost, because people have different translations. And I found that most charismatics, typically when they say kingdom, they're very focused on spiritual, which is great. That's fine. Um, that, that is a kingdom, right? But it places a really like almost a hyper emphasis on like spiritual warfare, demons, uh, miracles, signs, wonders. I mean, glory clouds, uh, grave soaking. Is that part of your kingdom? Is that part of your spiritual realms? I'd be interested in, in kind of hearing their definition of kingdom and miracles. Okay. Like I'm not really seeking miracles. Um, I'm seeking God and, if the, if the giver chooses to give a gift, then I am humble and I'm grateful and I'm excited. And, um, but John Piper has, you know, a, a quote, which he says, like, make sure you're seeking the giver, not the gift. And I, I'm sure many people have said something like that. I just think of John Piper when I, when I think of that. So they called him to have an apostolic stubborn streak. Um, and he's Bill Johnson's like, I don't care if I'm liked. I really don't. And that's fine. Honestly, I I'm in the same boat sometimes. Like I do care, but I don't care. Like I do care that my local community in which I'm helping shepherd, I want them not to like me, um, in, in the sense of like as a person, but I do care, um, that we're united and we're one, we're one accord. Um, and so, yeah, generally like we're going to love each other. And so he says he doesn't care about being liked. And I get what he's saying because on the grand scheme of things, we don't need to be liked as much as we think we need to be liked outside of our scope of local community. I think it's so important to be really grafted into a local church um, with a plurality of elders. And that's where we're really focused on love. We're combined. We're connected. Uh technology, the internet, all of these things, it's really kind of changed the way Christians can interact with each other throughout the world. And so we're still ironing that out. Like that's a 21st century issue. And so I get it. I do. Like if somebody came to me and said, I hate your podcast. I hate you. I hate your theology. I think it's the worst. I just say, okay, like, uh, <laughs> uh any critiques, any, any helpful feedback or just, you know, and I get that. Like, I think Bill Johnson probably is tired of hearing, people hate him, you know? And so I, I get it. I get, it. he's probably just so done that he just shuts out every critique, every critical thought, every, everything that comes against him. I think he just shuts it out, which to an extent, like if you have that platform and you hear it a lot, okay. But if you hear it a lot, it also may raise some red flags thinking, well, a lot of people think this, so maybe I'm 
maybe I am a little off. If generally most people accepted you, it's just the outliers that reject you. Okay, then that's fine. But anyway, and then Bill Johnson bled into that he likes to say things on edge just to get people to think. Um, and that just, I don't know, that didn't sit right with me. Um, because one of his examples, and I have it later on my notes, but I'm, I'm just going to say here, is when he said Jesus Christ was born again, just think about that statement first and foremost, Jesus Christ was born again. What do you think of? You immediately have to think, okay, born again, born again Christian, born again because you're born spiritually alive. You're, you, know, you think of justification. You think of being born again. I've been born again. I'm a born again Christian. Uh, that was one of his examples of saying things on edge just to get people to think. So was Jesus Christ needing to become a Christian? Did he become a Christian because he wasn't a Christian at first? You can see why that's just really careless. Um, and we talked about that last week, how Bill Johnson's smart, but he's really careless in, in some of his language. And he says, I say things on edge just to get people to think. What are you trying to get people to think? He didn't explain that. He didn't get, explain what is he trying to make people think in that instance. He just said he wanted to get people to think. And then he goes on to talk about First Corinthians. And, you know, I, I believe it's like, it's in the latter portions of First Corinthians, like 15-ish. Um, but essentially he talks about how it says like, he was born again. Um, and it's in reference to after he died and he was the first one to be born again. And it's, it's kind of more of a hope for us knowing that we're not, heaven isn't actually our forever home. You know, it's, it's a temporary home for when we're glorified and given new bodies and we're physically born again, but nobody's thinking about that. Okay. So, um, and then Dan admitted, like, we need to be more careful now that everything's broadcasted out. And I was like, yes, you do. <laughs> um, and then they kind of talked about this. And there's some things in here that just really stretched me. Um, he said he was a very bold, provocative preacher. He wants to make people think. Um, you know, when we have momentum, we just keep the momentum. And we just the demand for nuance is impossible. It's, it's not possible. If there's nuance in the theology or if there's nuance in explaining what Jesus Christ being born again, it is then no, like we don't really have time for that. Not on a public platform. We do that in private closed doors when nobody's looking. Interesting that that's when you fixed that error. Um, but he said like the whole purpose of me preaching is to motivate people to embrace their inheritance. What inheritance? I mean, I'm not against the idea that we have an inheritance um, or received our inheritance. More importantly, um, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing and uh, we're saved and we're justified. I don't know what else is more important. So what is our inheritance? I kind of can answer the question for you. It, it's to walk like Christ, specifically in signs, wonders, and miracles. That is our inheritance. So Bill Johnson saying, I want to motivate people to embrace that they can walk like Christ and have signs, wonders, miracles, healings, um, and deliver demons, which is fine um, that those things come as a continuationist. Like I'm not against that, but that's the inheritance. Um, just, just interesting. And then <laughs> he kind of talked about line by line and, 
and explaining the nuances and and Bill Johnson literally he literally said that is a poor way to teach and then he had to recant what he said and said well more more what I mean is it's a poor way to get action and I extremely disagree on the first regard uh, that is an incredible way to teach line by line um, precept upon precept that's a, that's an incredible way to teach um, in fact there's plenty of great expositor preachers uh, that do it and they're fantastic teachers right and so for him to say it's a poor way to teach incredibly wrong and then he says a poor way to get action once again I will disagree but maybe less so um, it is a fantastic way to teach and it is a very good way to get action and yet he says it's a poor way to teach a poor way to get action so we can't go line by line because it's not a good way to get action I disagree but, you know, uh, we'll provide some charity there. What action is he wanting? The same thing that we've been talking about this whole time. He wants signs, wonders, miracles. Um, and then he said, we're, you know, we're kind of not teaching and we're doing our best. And maybe we'll think things through better in the future and we'll have a better theological understanding and a better way to say it. So we'll get better. We're doing our best, but we'll get better. And, okay. <laughs> just okay like you've been doing this a long time um some of these recent things that have come out are just concerning and I, I get it like I say things too that I, I'm like oh I shouldn't have said that that was wrong and that's what he should be doing is saying this is not at all what I meant but rather he says those conversations happen behind closed doors generally um okay chapter two Dan reads from the book, once again, uh, he, being Jesus, performed miracles, wonders, and signs as a man in right relationship to God, not as God. If he performed miracles as God, then they would be unattainable for us. If he did them as a man, I am responsible to pursue his lifestyle. And so Dan straight up asked him, like, what are you meaning to communicate? And then Bill Johnson said, I mean what I said. Do the implications, do people think I'm saying, once again, he's not God? But of course he's God. Um, but once again, he, he's placing a really strong emphasis on truly man in right relationship to God, not as God. Which, Christ is a cure covered. Not heresy. Um, just not, most people are not comfortable with placing too much emphasis on truly man they're, they're much easier around placing too much emphasis on truly God. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm encouraging guys, be balanced. Like, truly man, truly God. Like, there is a human element, absolutely. There's a godly element, and you can wrap your mind around that all you want. It's really hard to, to really wrap our minds around, but I, I do like to dwell on it from time to time. Uh, just kind of like I like to mess with my brain and think how God had no beginning um, or that God didn't need community because the Trinity is community. Um perfect community and perfect love wrapped up in himself and so just really interesting things you really begin to start thinking about even the trinity and you think on it too long you might end up in heresy right and so anyway i i think being really focused on truly man truly god and then he quoted matthew 28 uh 28 19 i just wrote it down i actually should have pulled the the exact bible verse but greater works than these will you'll do which we've talked about 
I do believe he was in, he was speaking to uh, anyone who is filled with the Spirit, his church, his bride, um, that who's going to do greater works than Jesus Christ? It's people who are yielded to the Spirit. People who receive the Spirit are sealed with the Spirit, and that's why he's got to go. He's got to go because I need you to do all these things and more. Who? The church, the people who are sealed to the Holy Spirit. And so his discipleship process, I mean, he straight up said it. He said, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. Like he said, that that is Christ's discipleship process. So that is our discipleship process, which I mean, disciple literally means learner. And so what are they learning? To heal the sick, cast out demons, and cleanse the lepers. Interesting. Uh I don't think there's anything wrong with those things, but I actually also don't necessarily think like healing the sick is something you learn. Um, you can teach that it's, if you are a continuist or continuationist, you can teach that it's something um, you can ask for, petition the giver of good gifts for, but I don't believe it's proper teaching and proper discipleship to teach that we are able to just heal whoever we want and casting out demons is a whole other bag of worms that is has got to be saved for another podcast. Uh, cleanse the lepers. Okay, like that's cool stuff. But there's so much more to discipling than just those three things. So then he continued that they would rather avoid allowing spectators. Uh, they didn't want spectators of the great divine plan, which I agree. I think that's a problem in most Christian circles, especially in America. Like, got a lot of spectators, not a lot of engaged people. Um, and, and Bill Johnson just said, we want to attempt to do what Jesus told us to do. And I agree. I, I, I do agree. And that's, that's a good point. Uh, I think there's more to what Jesus told us to do than what Bill's getting at. But I agree with the, the premise. At the 18-minute mark, that's when he really talked about the Jesus was born again comment. And Dan's like, I know, Bill. I know this isn't what he meant to communicate. So what do you mean? And I love Dan because he just keeps like, I know you, Bill. This isn't what you mean to communicate. Jesus wasn't born again, you heretic. Like, he didn't say that. But <laughs> it's just kind of like Dan keeps saying, like, I know you. And you did it again where you're saying something really off the wall. Um, and he said the same thing, the firstborn unto life to get people to think. And he said, Jesus Christ was born again. Think about that. Jesus Christ was born again. And I'm just like, think about what, like, why do you have to be so ambiguous about that? Like, why are we calling Christ being born again and saying that'll cause him to think, think what? I just don't understand. He didn't say so are, are we supposed to think how we're born three times? Sorry, like, I just didn't get it. I was just so frustrated. Like, it's so careless. If I if I went on the pulpit and I just said, yeah, Jesus Christ was born again, I would want people to be like, wait, hold the phone. Like, what are you saying? And he's like, I just, and I responded, I just need you guys to think about it. Just think about that. Jesus Christ was born again. It just seems really like, clearly you're trying to say Jesus Christ was saved. That's what everyone's thinking. And so I don't understand what he's trying to get people to think about. And and so are, are we supposed to think that we are born three times? We're flesh, born again of spirit, and then when we're raised from the dead? So we're actually going to be born again three times. Christ only twice. 
It just seems weird. Um, and he said, you know, this isn't a theological teaching point. It's just to get people to think. Anytime you uh, have an audience captive and, and you're supposed to be talking about the scriptures, it, it's teaching still. And theology is the study of God. And you're talking about Jesus Christ who, you know, is truly God. And so it is a theological teaching point. Sorry, I just, the born again thing that really did, and it, it rubbed me wrong the first time I heard it, but their defense for it or the way they talked about it really didn't help anything because really they just moved on from what he meant, which he was saying, I didn't mean he was born again like a Christian. I meant he was born again back to life, um, raised from the dead. And I just needed them, the people to think. And that was it. Like, that's not really a good answer to me, honestly. I mean, I get it. Um, but I would have really liked to know what are you trying to get them to think about? Because that makes no sense to me. Anyway. Um, and they essentially said, like, we just get really obscure. We get really kind of just have some weird terminologies. Well, Bill Johnson does. And we get some, you know. Um, and the whole point of his preaching um, is to transformation to transformation to an encounter. Sorry, I wrote it down weird. And then he said something that really, once again, like this this whole section right here um, at the twenty-ish minute mark, really set me in. Like as a teacher, as someone who feels called to be a teacher in the church, just really didn't sit right with me. And he said, you know, I can give people the correct information. I can. I want to train and educate scriptures, so I'm I'm trying to give correct information. I truly do want to do that, but I'm more focused on their faith. I'm looking for faith in the room. They don't need, I mean, this is literally what Bill said. They don't need more information. They don't need that. Because there's a lot of people with great theology, but their lifestyle does not match. And I agree. That, that's a fine point. There are people with good theology, but not a good lifestyle. You want both. But that doesn't mean you throw out the baby with the bathwater. Sorry to use that in a reference, but like we're not going to throw out theology because occasionally people's lifestyles don't match. I'm not throwing out all charismatics because there's some that are heretics. Like <laughs> I'm just not. That's not where my heart is. And so we don't throw out reformed theologians just because maybe one or two of their lives don't look the way you think it should look. Um, so he said he's looking for faith, you know, and he said, there's no difference, no division between a church goer or a pastor, which I agree. I, I agree with that. And then every follower needs to do something. And I agree again. And so he wants to challenge him. And he said, I'm just looking for the point of faith in room. I'm, I'm casting seed everywhere. The message, um, is, is just the message, but I'm looking for the fire four to five with fire in their eyes. The, the reality I was talking to him about the momentum within the church family. And he gets all excited, you know, like, the people that already have fire in their eyes and see where I want to go, I'm picking them. They're the people with faith. And it's just interesting. Like I get choosing the people that, that catch your vision as a leader. Like there's nothing more exciting than when people catch your vision, but <laughs> he's admitting that he doesn't super look to train and educate in scriptures. He's looking for faith. Um, how's faith built up? 
surely it's not from hearing the word of God, you know? And I just think of all of grace by Sage Spurgeon. I, I read that this year and, um, he just makes this really simple point in there. I not an exact quote just from one of the chapters. And he said, you want more faith? Well, I reckon you hear the word of God <laughs> and you want more and you don't, you don't think you've got there yet. And maybe you don't know if you have saving faith yet, or you want to build up your faith. Like just hear the word of God. And I just love that. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's why I dwell on the glory of Christ. I dwell on the gospel message. I read the word of God. I focus on the word of God. I dwell on the logos. Like those are things that I think are very, very important for a Christian walk. And yet he's looking for faith, fire in their eyes, because they also want miracles, signs, wonders. Okay. You know, okay. And then he actually talked about something that we've done <laughs> or I've done uh, back in the, the day. Um, he actually talked about where he was, the Lord prohibited Bill from bringing any sermon notes into the room. And so he was not allowed to have sermon notes to preach on Sunday. And so he actually said, like, I actually got up there just to hear God in the moment. And I went up there with nothing. And then Dan immediately comes in and corrects him and says, no, you don't mean actually nothing. Like a week of study, a, you know, a consistent prayer life. You just didn't have notes. <laughs> and I just love Dan always rescuing him. Um, and he said, like, I want to impart what God is saying in the moment. And then he kind of dogs on line by line, precept upon precept. Um, he says, they're fine. But I'm called to be in a moment where I hear what God is saying in that moment. And I love seeing God connect the dots. And I'm trying to learn to do that well. And Dan, who is their teaching pastor, said, you know, I can appreciate that you like to lead in the moment, be in the moment, here in the moment. And it just shows the diversity of our callings. You're an apostle. I'm a teacher. Like, if, if, I don't know if you guys have caught that yet, but Dan is their teaching pastor. So he's definitely more biblically literate. Like it, it comes across. And, uh, and Bill Johnson's their kind of their more visionary guy. He's their apostolic guy. And so... That bled into, which it needs to bleed into, um, Dan jokingly said, are your words the word of God's? Are you now a super apostle? Are you the new pope? And, you know, Bill's like, no, no, no. And he said it, he made a good comment. Like, humanity hates everything we do. Um, I'm just doing my best effort to honor him. And what's funny is he says, obviously, this is not as good as scripture. And I just, I had to pause there. Because I just thought that was funny. I believe that God convicts and speaks. But once again, it's through his word. I know cessationists will probably disagree with the exact nuance on this. Um, you know, I, I don't, as, as someone who is a continuist, I'll just throw this out here. Like, I don't really like when I see people joking around saying like, in fact, there was one that really bugged me recently, um, a few months ago. It just kind of sat wrong with me and I, I just really struggled with it. And, um, you know, I thought about addressing it more head on, but that person had a really large account and I didn't think they'd see it or respond anyway. So I just kind of worked through it on my own and, and, you know, but it's, I still think on it and I, I still just think that's, that's the, the logic of cessationists is they choose to mock continuationists. And, uh, one thing that they said was like, if you want to hear God, read your Bible. And that's true. It's the perfect infallible word of God. 
Um, in fact, I believe he still speaks via through his word um, completely and utterly. Um, there is no new divine revelation. That's not what I believe. But I do believe he pulls and prompts by the word. Um, there's a quote by John MacArthur in which he says, like, I just want to sin in peace. Because when I go to sin, <laughs> I don't know what his sin would be. I just think that's so funny. Um, he's probably eating a donut when he knows he shouldn't or something. I don't know. I'm <laughs> just thinking. And uh, he says, when I go to sin, my mind is flooded with scriptures. And that is the way God communicates actively, currently, to John MacArthur. I, I believe that. I don't. I know he's like, oh, my mind is full of scriptures. And that's great. But the only reason your mind is full of scriptures is because of the Holy Spirit. I, I would believe that too, synergistically. Um, you're bending your will to the will of the Father. And in doing so, the scriptures have saturated your mind. And yeah, that's diligent. I, I love when Paul says, like, I labored even greater than all, all of them. But yet not I, but through Christ who is in me. Like this idea of, yes, we do something, but yet not us. <laughs> and and that would be my argument is we hear God um, and he speaks to us in different ways, but it's always going to align up and, and be aligned with his word that's infallible, that's inerrant. Um, and so we can get into that in another podcast. But a lot of what... Bill Johnson says in these moments, he's saying, no, 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 humanity taints everything we do. What I'm doing is not as good as scripture. And yet he openly admits that line upon line, precept upon precept is not for him. That's not his call. It's not his purpose, which that's fine. If, if you don't think that's your call or purpose, you probably shouldn't be filling the pulpit as consistently as you do. Just being honest, like even as a continuist, you you have to believe that there has to be a, a biblical mandate. The elders were charged to keep watch of the church and instruct in doct doctrine and to teach. The only qualification difference between elders and deacons was the ability to teach doctrine. The more I studied that, the more it just jumped out at me. It's like teaching is like so vitally important. For an elder like you're not looking for someone who's just a good leader charismatic maybe evangelistic in nature i mean i know that bethel endorses a five-fold ministry model for their leadership which is that's a whole another conversation once again but what i see scripturally elders lead they're the under shepherd to the shepherd their authority is the scriptures but they're called to teach to have an ability to teach why because the authority is the scriptures so the scriptures govern the church and they're the under shepherds in which are studying the scriptures for the sake of the church to teach the church, to guide the church. Why? Because the word of God is infallible. It will bring up a uh, perfect, immature man, complete, righteous, able to, to complete every good work. What else do you want? So I digress. I'm very passionate about this. I'm not a fan of that segment. Um, just not. And he said, like, um, the, the flaw of myself doesn't give me the right to withdraw, which is, I think that's fair. Uh, we Sometimes we let our humanness, like, force us to withdraw from, you know, something that we know we should do. Um, whatever it may be, I don't know. And then he goes into, the community corrects me. I'm like, it's not like I have an alpha authority. Everyone can correct me. 
And they come to him and say, is this what you meant? And he said, I didn't mean that. And Dan actually jokingly said, like, I fix your notes and your comments all the time. It's like Bill Johnson has just this trend where he just speaks in the moment, whatever he thinks he's hearing, and he openly admits that it's very foggy. And then his community and his teaching pastor constantly have to fix him and correct him because a lot of the things he says are borderline heretical. Now, if he was listening to God in that moment, would he sound borderline heretical? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so, but that's why he said it's not as good as scripture. Let someone who wants to be faithful to scripture be up there more often. Like that would be one of the greater comments I've seen in regards to Bethel is like, hey, you have this school of supernatural ministry, which, you know, you send the kids out with some tarot cards and some destiny leggings. Okay, we're not there yet, but <laughs> you let the people do all this supernatural stuff. But why don't you have like a biblical, doctrinal, theological class too? And they say, oh, we teach theology in that. No, it's supernatural theology. That's your, your theology is supernatural theology. So um, the, the unfortunate thing with what Bill has set up is he says, hey, I'm accountable to everyone. When they correct me, say, hey, is this what you meant? And he says, no, that's not what I meant. But because of that, there's really no accountability. In my opinion, he can backpedal on everything. Be like, oh, that's not even what I meant. Well, what did you mean? And he loves to not answer that. He says, of course I meant this. Well, I didn't mean that, but I, I did mean what's orthodox. I was like, well, okay. Um, and Dan even said comments like, oh, sometimes, sometimes people misheard you or sometimes you misspoke and then just brushed over it, like didn't even care that he said that. Um, just more accountability is what they need for Bill. Like they just they just need more accountability. Like he's just clearly saying things out of orthodoxy quite often. Um, and they talk about, they kind of bleed into this conversation about theology that God allows for sickness. Um, and they, Bill Johnson says, sick does not mean a lack of faith or sin in your life or bad theology. It could, but it doesn't. And I'm, I'm never going to shame anyone in front of anyone. And um, and then I, I didn't mind his statement, like personal statement of, you know, I cannot deify sickness. Yes, God can use it, but I'm not going to deify it um, and sanctify it and a, you know, force it to sanctify me because I'm going to sanctify my sickness. Um, and I thought those were actually decent comments. I, I'll give them that because you got the charismatics that won't take no for an answer when it comes to healing. And you got the reform community that says, oh, this is my thorn in the flesh. This is it. This is to sanctify me. This is to humble me. This is to, and they happily take on a thorn of flesh when I would argue that they don't know that. Did God tell you that? <laughs> um, Paul's thorn in his flesh is a very ambiguous, hard to understand passage at best. I mean, I've studied it out. I definitely think based on Galatians. In fact, I actually quoted it, I think, in this. Um, I do based on, based on Galatians, based on... Damascus Road, based on everything that's happened. I do believe his thorn in the flesh was something with his eyes. Um, what exactly it was, there's a lot of debate. Um, I know a lot of people have different opinions on what it was, and I'm not, I'm not going to die on that hill. I'm just saying I think it's very clearly a physical sickness, illness, uh, not temporary. And he prayed to God three times, and I don't think Paul meant he prayed just, oh, 
passively like, God, I hope you take this away. I think he interceded, maybe even fasted, really petitioned God to take it away. And, and what does he say? Like, I would, you know, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. And it says, I would much rather boast in Christ, you know, and, 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 be fine in my weakness. In fact, I, I should pull up the exact quote but, or the exact scripture. Um, but, you know, so essentially, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. Like, that's beautiful language. Um, and so I think the Reformed community is really good at jumping to that and saying, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. And the Charismatic's like, I'm not taking it unless I know I have to take it. And sometimes they don't take no for an answer. So they make the point suffering is not a virtue, which is true. Suffering can be virtuous. It can lead to virtue in a sense, but it's not a virtue in and of itself, which I think the reformed community seems to think it is. Um, and he said, if sickness is my opportunity to suffer for Jesus, then why do I go to the doctor? And when do I have liberty to pursue being better? And I think those are fair questions. Um, he's like, I don't want to violate what Christ is doing in me. So I think that's fair. I think it's, I, I think it's not safe to assume either direction though, personally. I mean, people could argue, oh, well, more examples of healing. Christ always healed. You know, people weren't sick. People weren't left just down and out. That's true. So if you're going to err on a side, I would actually err on the side of trusting God for a healing. Um, I definitely don't understand the reform community's obsession with like suffering um, and that's a bit of my continuationist coming out. Like I, I get it. The suffering thing, faith through suffering, faith through challenging, uh, challenges and, and true trials is, is a strong, deep rooted faith that is just so impressive and so beautiful. Um, but I don't, I don't know if we just have to take every sickness and say, this is for me and this is my thorn in the flesh. I think we can say, hey, God, you're a giver of good gifts. How do you feel about sending one down? No, no, you know, not as not as a joke, but genuinely, like ask him. Anyway, um, Galatians chapter 4 uh, is where it's at, verse 12. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condi condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God in Christ, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? And I guess 16 wasn't needed as much. The point being, he clearly had issues. He was grateful for Galatia for receiving him and not scorning him or despising him. So whatever it was, was worthy of scorn or being despised. And the reason a lot of people will lean toward something wrong with his eyes is because of the comment. I testify that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. That to me leads me to think that his thorn in the flesh, his, his problem was something with his eyes. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. And, uh, I would have loved for him at this segment to get into how Galatians 1, um, if anyone, including myself or an angel of light, come down from heaven preaching to you a gospel that's contrary to the one you have received, let him be anathema. I would have loved for him to get into how he has said in his sermons that Paul's gospel, and he's Paul's referencing in Galatians 1, that like, hey, I've been sick. I have a thorn in the flesh. Like, 
my gospel of thorn in the flesh is not the gospel of Christ. So Bill Johnson, I, I don't know if you guys have studied this out too, but Bill Johnson, his framework for biblical study and biblical literacy and his biblical understanding is all through Christ, which as a covenantalist, like I lean that way too. That's the way I understand it, but not to the extreme he takes it. He takes it to an extreme where Paul's teachings are not on par with Christ's teachings, whereas I view them as in unison. Um, Christ and his teachings and his lifestyle are up on a pedestal, which I don't know, that sounds weird to say because it's Christ, like Christ should be on a pedestal, but they're up on a pedestal compared to the rest of scriptures. So if something contradicts, like I would love to know exactly what he does with the book of Job because um, people have asked him like, what about Job? And he says, Job is a question, Christ is the answer. That's that's his answer for the book of Job, considering his theology. I don't know if you guys have heard that or seen that, but that's his answer. It's like, what about Job? What do you think about what God did with Job or, you know, allowing that? Or, or And he says, Job is a question, Christ is the answer. Interesting. Like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> um, and they said the gospel is everywhere. It's, it's in the fabric. I promise we're ending, uh, in five minutes. Give me five minutes. It'll be just as long as last two weeks ago. <laughs> um, the fabric of our community. Um, he said when the community comes together, it's time to teach, instruct, and inspire. It's like, you guys have admitted over and over that you don't teach from the word. You don't instruct line upon line. You teach in the moment, hearing God healing signs wonders which that's exact like honestly it's not like they're really hiding what their service or what bill johnson's about that they're just presenting it in kind of a sugar-coated way and using a lot of words to kind of confuse you but they're essentially admitting bill johnson doesn't really have notes he listens to god in the moment and yeah it's messed up and yeah he says some unorthodox things to make people think and challenges them because they're completely unorthodox um Jesus Christ was born again. Galatians, or Paul preached a different gospel than the one Christ preached. Um, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. All of these things bleed into you are called to be like Christ. And what that means is Christ-likeness is to be full of signs, wonders, casting out demons. That's your call now. Is That's what you, that's what you do. Um, okay. You know, at least they're not really hiding it. Um, they talked about the cross for a little bit. It wasn't anything crazy um you know they made a point like the cross isn't about sin that definitely was weird um the cross is about grace and love and the love of the father um i'll be honest i see the cross and i definitely think about my sin and i definitely think about the wrath of god and i definitely am grateful uh for the cross so they view the cross a little bit differently than I did. I uh, I don't want to speak too much more in that because they didn't spend too much time on the cross. But at one point, I can't remember if it was Bill or Dan. I didn't make it in my notes here. But one of them said the cross is not about sin. It was about the love of the Father uh, reconciling man and God, which that's true. But it's not not about sin. That's what I would say. Um and then they, they talked about how, you know, Bill Johnson's not a perfect man. He's led him into corners and they're like, hey, sharp right here. Um, I just want to know, like, I, I guess any church, any pastor could go into a dead end and, and slowly wither and die away. 
but usually that's not the marks of a, I don't know, spirit-filled church, to use charismatic terminology against themselves. Um, why would you be leading them into a corner? They didn't really get into that. They just said, yeah, Bill Johnson, you've led us into a corner here and there. Sharp right, like correct the, correct the ship. As a pastor, obviously, I could see that happening. Um, I'm not above error or mistake. I think a plurality of elders helps with that. Um, I do believe Bill Johnson has a lot more weight and say than he lets on. I know they have a plurality of elders with their fivefold ministry. I do think Bill Johnson carries most of the weight, um, which, you know, you, you look at like maybe the village church where they have a lot of elders too. And, you know, Matt Chandler's obviously their main guy. And maybe he carries a little more weight too, in a sense. I don't know. Um, so is there anything wrong with that? It's not ideal, but I definitely think Bill Johnson's like the guy at Bethel, even though they won't say that. Um, and so they talk about like Christ, not just on the cross, but who is he presently? Like he's seated in the heavenlies, he's, he's king, he's reigning, um, which I agree. And they, they say, we're going to teach people how to heal the sick, how to pray for people, how to lead people to Christ. Um you know, they, they talked about altar calls and gospel calls and, you know, reaching the gospel and all of these things and that they love nothing more than when somebody comes up and says, hey, this is my friend, like he's saved now and, and kind of treat treating people and raising up people to where they're bringing people to Christ. Um, that's all great. That's, that's all good in my book for the most part. Uh, I definitely think it's just a really, it's a hyper charismatic church. Um, based on this video, like there's nothing overly crazy um, other than they just don't like teaching and they don't like sound doctrine and they don't like the nuances of theology and they don't like to get into those things. Um, other than that, like it wasn't terrible. I will be honest, I would love for them to just put out a gospel video. Like here's the gospel and what that means for us. Um, I think that would be interesting. Because I don't think it would be quite how I would present the gospel. I don't think it would be heretical necessarily. I just would love for them to put that out. Like, here's the gospel and just keep it on their website. Uh, I, can res I can respect when people present the gospel. You can really get a gauge almost immediately um, where they're at spiritually or what their focus is or, or you know. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, like, the gospel is hard. It's the easiest yet hardest thing to understand because it, it, to me, I call it the divine epiphany, the divine revelation. Ephesians really kind of solidified that thinking for me. And I call it the divine epiphany, the divine revelation, the most important thing you'll ever realize. And even now, like we've been working with our teenagers at church, like what is a gospel? What is a gospel? What is a gospel? And, you know, they see in part, I don't think they see fully. Some of them, uh, the only thing they'll say is the blood. They'll say it's the blood. Like that is not the entirety. It's not even close. Um, let's try again. Like, let's think on it. Let's pray about it. Let's let's read our word. Let's let's talk about it. And you know, I'll present. Like, here's the gospel. Um, See, so, you know, it's just hard. It's one of those things where. The gospel is hard, and you can really tell a lot about where a person is when they present the gospel message. 
And uh, that's why I like when people do. Even It's a gospel message. You can't have enough people talking about it. I don't care if every single ministry in the world puts out a gospel video. Now this is maybe me saying I'll put out a gospel video myself. Um, it doesn't matter. Like I, I want to see them. I want to hear them. I want to, I love the beauty of the gospel. Like to dwell on the glory of Christ. Ah, it's so wonderful. And to me, it just reminds me how good God is. How grateful and humble I am that I'm grafted into this family. Oh man, like and just I'm forgiven. I'm justified because of one man's righteousness, because of one man's act of obedience to willfully walk to his death instead of allowing the cup to pass from him. He drank the cup of wrath for me. That's beautiful. It's it's beautiful. And that's not even the entirety of it. But that part's probably my favorite. And uh, anyway, uh, all in all, you know, I don't even know how to end this. All in all, I think it was okay. I, I think this one was less crazy. Um, and I know you guys, this one might not do as well podcast-wise. We'll see because it's kind of more boring. I think episode three is going to be where everyone comes back for essentially all their wonders and their miracles. So we'll see. Um not next week. It's going to be a couple weeks. Uh, so end of July. And we'll get out episode three. And I'll try to get up episode four. Maybe that same week. Um, maybe. So maybe first week of August. Maybe not though. Maybe second week. Second week might make more sense. I'm just really trying to get caught up with them. That's what I want. So some of you hate rambling. I know you guys said that. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, I did add a donate button. Uh, that's totally optional. If you feel so, if you feel compelled to do that, that's a tremendous blessing. Um, but I'm already blessed by the fact that you guys are here, part of this growing uh, community, and I'm super excited about the future. You guys, like I just, I get excited when I'm thinking about what God is doing and the connections we're making, and and some of you guys reaching out to me and and talking to me about maybe some abuses and misuses and charismatic upbringing, or maybe some things you're going through now that that are just struggles or whatever. Like I just, I just really have enjoyed you guys being engaged with this and and i am blessed by you guys tremendously so i appreciate you all um until a couple weeks from now i'll see you guys on instagram talk to you there uh, god bless and uh think on it <laughs>